I uh, am surprised that I'm on lesson five uh, on be aware, spiritual renewal brings attacks. So uh, the thesis for this is, and I really had planned on this being one night, here's five times, (laughs) this is the fifth night. My notes keep expanding. I don't know where they came from, but they just added. So uh, all that I've said is in note form. You can go to uh, victorychurchraleigh.com forward slash notes. Find them tonight. But you got to scroll all the way down to the bottom of the notes. I decided not to break them up. They're just one big, long. We can make a book out of this one, maybe. I don't know. What I found out in my life, though, is anytime you make aggression towards God, the enemy wants to hinder that. How many hear me? So you got to make a purpose in your heart. You know what? I'm not backing up. I'm not looking back. I'm moving forward. I put my hand to the plow. Like Jesus said, I'm not looking back, right? And you just got to do that. And, um, uh, you know, and I've gave uh, anecdotes personally in my life, every stage of life from going to Bible school, leaving college, going to Bible college. Um, Wow. Going into ministry from uh, secular vocation, starting churches, traveling ministry, coming here. I've been here since 1994. Every step and every uh, desire to go further in God brings opposition, and you just got to be aware of it. I've had so many times that nobody knows I've gotten by myself with the Lord and uh, just gutted it out with Him because the, the enemy's fire was so intense. But you know, you always have victory in the Lord Jesus. Yes or no? So you go into the battle knowing you were already whipped the enemy. That's how it works, and that's why I'm excited about talking about this tonight. So uh, we have talked about full way Satan attacks over the last uh, number of weeks. Uh, we have talked about the world he attacks with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We talked about that one night. He attacks through mental harassment, and you have to grab hold of your thoughts and not let your thoughts rule you. You rule your thoughts instead of your thoughts ruling you, right? So we talked about that in fair detail. I've got a book along those lines uh, in the lobby if you're interested. I didn't say everything I could have that night. And then we uh, took a night and talked about uh, envy and strife. That's the third, third way. And in that same night, this past, last Wednesday, we talked about um, uh, the enemy attacking with deception, with false doctrine. And I really encourage you in my prayer life and when we have prayer meetings here, we're really praying for the world. We're praying for the church. Um, there's some tremendous deception going on. And let me just say, if you, if you make a decision that you, you want to win people to Jesus by becoming like them, you lose, and you lose badly. How many hear what I just said? This is not a time for the church to lay down. Lay down our morals. Lay down our belief system. No, no, no. You stay and you are who you are by the grace of God. And we're to preach the word instant in season, out of season. We're to do it when conditions are favorable and when they're unfavorable. Favorable. And we may be going to an, into an unfavorable time in America and worldwide in ministering life and being a believer. But you know what? We don't stop being who we are. We're lights and the light shines brightest the darker it gets. Yes or no? So we talked about that last time. Tonight... I want to, uh, I'll end it tonight unless something unusual occurs. And, uh, I want to talk about using your God-given authority over Satan. Now, now, this is a game changer. When I learned these simple principles, and I've preached this a lot since I've been here, since 1994. But if you learn these principles and not just hear what I'm saying, but put it into practice in your life, it'll revolutionize how you live life. And it'll revolutionize how you deal with stress and challenges and fears that come. And uh, for me, I learned this as a very young man in my late teens, early 20s, and, and then walked it out, you know, in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, my 50s, and now, thank God, my 60s. And I've seen it work, and, and I can tell you that if you face every challenge in life with faith in God, faith in Jesus, knowing that you already have victory, that Satan is a defeated person in your life, you'll make it. But if you don't know that, you're going to wither away in fear. Now, that's the way it works. I know that sounds strong. So let me start this real quickly. Um, And I've shared this a number of times. But back in the 80s, my first job in ministry, I was a a personal ministry director for a pastor of a very large church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I had to, man, it was a cram course in Jesus, how did I do this, you know? And so three things, uh, one thing I found out is when I was dealing with people, I needed to assess 
uh, what kind of problem they had. And sometimes a person had a hodgepodge of problems and, and it was like a little ball of yarn your cat had and it was so messed up that you couldn't find the end of the yarn. And there was just a multitude of problems. But uh, generally speaking, if, a per- if you've got problems in life, they generally speaking come under the auspices of three categories. Number one, this is in the notes, so it's, you know, it's all there. Uh, number one, it, it, it's, it could be a physical issue. Now, a physical issue, that could be anything. could be lack of sleep. A lot of people don't rest well these days. Have you noticed that? And, and that causes physical problems. And those physical problems can produce mental and emotional issues. How many hear me? And then that opens the door for other things to happen. How many hear me? So, you know, or it could be a bad diet. If you eat the wrong things, you, gonna, you could eventually have some really challenging situations with your physical person that causes problems in every other area. How many hear what I'm saying? So the physical, we got to deal with the physical and you got to be practical with yourself. Now, don't expect God to do what you're not willing to do. Can I, should I say that again? Don't expect God to do what you're not willing to do and what you're responsible for. God's not responsible for what you do with your body, you are. Right? Wow, anyway, I feel like I could get off on that, but I won't. Number two, sin issues. Three reasons for problems, a physical issue, a sin or personal responsibility issue. That is, there's something in life I'm not dealing with properly. Um, It could be a, a, a personal sin thing that I'm wrestling with, or it could be a responsibility thing. I'm irresponsible in some, some venue of life. How many know if, if some things you're irresponsible in, it can have, again, a, a mushrooming effect in so many other areas. In fact, usually like you can't compartmentalize life. I've, I've met some people with the kinds of training they've had with the things they've done in life. Somehow they, they kind of pigeonhole every area of life. Life's not that way. It's integrated. And, and, and you can't pigeonhole your spiritual life to Sunday and then live like a dog or a cat or whatever uh, Monday through Saturday. It don't work. It all goes together. And then if you're going to have good relationships, that particularly, see, it all amalgamates together, right? So, so you got to deal with that and you got to be willing to deal. And here's the cool thing. Started the service off tonight. The thing you got to know is there, there is there is nothing that is impossible with God if you will allow him to deal with you and you'll give yourself wholeheartedly to him. There is no problem that you face. I don't care if it's drugs, alcohol, sex, relational, you know, uh, fear, uh, greed. Well, I don't care what it is. Uh, if you'll lay that at the feet of Jesus and say, I need some serious help. You know what? He will help you. Is that good news? So see, there's always hope and there's always help. And when I was helping people back in the 80s, the first thing I learned is, you know, a person that is hopeless, you can't help. You've got to, first of all, give them hope. Well, I want you to know there's hope in Jesus. And there's hope in the Word of God that things can be different. Yes or no? Third thing is demonic influence. So you've got physical problems. You've got sin or personal responsibility issues or problems. And the third reason for problems in living is demonic influence. There can be a direct attack of the demonic, and there often is. Sometimes this all kind of works together, and he could be messing with your body, messing with your mind, causing you to yield to certain things. And, you know, the bottom line, if, if you know that you have authority over the enemy, and you learn to exercise that authority in a practical way. Uh, Satan's days of ruling your life are over. How many hear me? Now, you know, let me say this, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, and I'm going to hurry up. But uh, once you get a hold of what I'm about to talk about, uh, there's going to be a test. Because if Satan has a toehold in your life, and you say, you're not going to mess with me anymore that way. Well, then there's going to be a fight. Because he's not going to be kicked out easily. He's going to say, well, wait a minute. Who do you think you are? I've been ruling this area of your life for X period of time. You, you think you're going to be free from me? And you can say, no, I don't think. I know the blood of Jesus set me free from you. Get out in Jesus' name. And when you get a hold of what I'm talking about tonight, then you can be set free from whatever. How many hear me? And then you've got to go through the practical phases of dealing with habits that you have started with your body, with your mind, with your emotions, with your relationships, and with your words. And if you'll do that, it's amazing how God can take the quagmire that we get ourselves in and turn it around. 
How many know God's a turnaround agent? He can turn you around. Woo! Don't we sing a song about that? Lift me up, turn me around, set my feet on solid ground. Yes, sir. So let's talk about your authority. How many know God has given you authority in Christ? So let's talk about it. Definition of authority, a power to require and receive submission. Uh, the right to expect obedience. Superiority derived from a status that carries with it the right to command and give final decisions. Delegated power over others. So let me just say right at the onset here, this is not authority over human beings. And men, it's not authority over your wife. And wives, it's not authority over your husbands. I thought I'd get a little more rousing from that. There you go. Uh, and it's not authority over people that aggravate you at work. It's authority over the devil and demon spirits. And you have authority, and they're very real. So uh, let the, the crux of this, the bottom phase of this was, and this is what we need to constantly remind ourselves of, we do live in a fallen world, and it's really bleak and dark right now. And the reason it's there is Satan originated in heaven. You know the story from Ezekiel 28, starting with verse 11, and then Isaiah chapter 14, starting with verse 12, a few verses there in Isaiah, and then a few verses there in Ezekiel. Just That's all the Bible really reveals about Satan's origin and his beginning, but in saying a little, it says a lot. And what it tells us was um, Satan was a ruling angel in heaven who turned against God, turned at least a third of the angels against God. They fell, and when Satan fell, he fell to the earth. And uh, evidently there was something, and I don't have time to get to it here, prior to whatever we have now. And uh, anyway, he corrupted the whole smeal that was here. And uh, Luke 10, 17, when the 72, that's New Living Translation, some say 70, some translations say 72 disciples returned. They joyfully reported to Jesus, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yet, he told them, I saw Satan fall like, uh, from heaven like lightning. Uh, and so, again, uh, Satan was in heaven. He fell. Lucifer was his name. And that means light one or light being. And so, uh, Jesus said, I saw him fall. I watched him fall. So, again, when God originally created humankind, we call it man. He gave us a measure of his all authority to oversee the earth. God is the overarching, all-encompassing, all authority over the universe. Would you agree with that? But then Genesis 1, 26 through 28, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. When he says our, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, so there's nothing that's not under man's authority according to God in the original creation. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, the birds, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they broke fellowship with God. We know that. The other thing that was uh, so diabolical and so uh, terrible and horrible is that God gave, that Adam and Eve gave this pristine place that God created just so they could really enjoy a thriving life here. They gave it away. They gave the authority that God had given them away. When Adam and Eve obeyed Satan, he became their spiritual lord, their spiritual master, and then the principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual wickedness in high places perhaps covered the planet like a cloud canopy and hindered fellowship with God, hindered the purposes of God, and just brought in, brought in a diabolical attack against uh, creation, against uh, all the vegetation, the animals, uh, humankind, and everything uh, moving towards the future. Death began to reign. So, um, but um, the thing I want you to see is uh, Adam gave his authority away, and now he became subservient to Satan. Luke 4, 5, and 6, Jesus very clear in his wilderness temptations, the devil taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, Jesus, all this authority I'll give you in their glory, for this has been delivered to me. What's been delivered to me? 
All of the authority of the kingdoms of the world have been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. And so, now that was a bona fide temptation. And obviously Jesus did not yield to it, but there's a principle there is that Satan gained authority and control presently, not forever. It was a time-limited authority that God gave Adam and Eve. I've talked about this in great detail, and I think we, I'm sure we have it online. I ought to put it in book forms, what I ought to do. Nonetheless, um, it's there, and it's very, very real. Satan has a, let me say it this way, Satan has a legal right to be here. Uh, he's a legalist. When Adam and Eve obeyed Satan, legally, he said, give me that authority that God gave you over this planet. I've got some plans. And he's been wrecking havoc for 6,000 plus years, right? And, and, but he's, his, his, uh, his day of reigning is going to be over when Jesus comes back. That's the good news we have. So again, uh, what I want you to see is God originally gave Adam and Eve a time-limited authority. We don't know how long that was. The demons, when Jesus was casting them out in the book of Matthew, are, have you come here to, to hinder us before the time? And then Revelation 12, Satan comes in great wrath because he knows his time is short. That leads us to believe that the original authority God gave Adam and Eve wasn't forever, wasn't for each, it was a time-limited thing. He was giving them a test. They failed the test. So now you've got to understand, see, this gives you hope. Satan's not going to be here forever. Now, you know, he's, he's been through, I don't know how many generations of human beings counted up since, uh, you know, since the creation of Adam and Eve. But uh, the good news is, one day, Jesus will dispossess him of his authority and grab the keys back and then throw him into his eternal doom, the uh, lake of fire. And uh, so if he, uh, who was that, Martin, I just read an excerpt today, Martin Luther, when, when Satan was aggravating him and hounding him because he got the revelation of justification by faith. And I mean the demon hordes of hell hounded him and wouldn't leave him alone. And he said he'd quote scripture after scripture after scripture to them, and it seems like the thoughts wouldn't stop. And he would just say, Satan, can I remind you of your eternal doom? You're going to burn in the lake of fire. You will be judged. You will go there. And you know what? You will never bother another person again after that. And he said it got quiet. Because Satan doesn't want to be reminded of where he's going. So maybe you need to remind him one day that he's going to fry. Right? So anyway, he has a legal right to be here, his purpose again, John 10, 10, to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, here's the good news. Now, from here on out, here's the good news. Jesus defeated Satan and restored to us, the church, Adam's lost authority. Y'all didn't even, y'all are thinking about something else. I just know. Right now, during Adam's lease, Satan's got a legal right to be here. He's got a legal right to try to attack you. But you see, you have a legal authority over him that Jesus gave you. And if you understand the legal authority, then you know what? You can rise above the attack. So Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them after the resurrection, just before the ascension. Um, all authority has been given to me uh, in heaven and on earth. Now, Jesus had authority, but pre-cross, post-cross, Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me. He said that as the representative resurrected man. Jesus, the God-man, raised from the dead after he dealt with our sin. And when he raised from the dead, he also defeated, defeated Satan in his own territory and took from him, according to Revelation 1.18, the keys of hell and death. The keys represent authority. So when Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me, he would just wasn't saying, looky, looky, look at me. He was saying it on behalf of us, the church, because the next thing he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I have authority. I have regained authority that Adam and Eve gave, gave away when they sinned as the representative perfect human being. I became your sin. I became your sin judgment. God raised me from the dead right in the pits of hell and I brought the Old Testament saints out of hell with me. Revelation 20, I mean Matthew 27, 51, 52, 53. I led a host of, ca I led captivity captive, gave gifts to men. They were resurrected when I was resurrected. We come up out of that grave and on the way out, I defeated your arch enemy Satan. I took from him the authority that he has to oversee the earth and to wreak havoc. And if you exercise authority over him, he can't touch you. 
So, so see, that's exciting, but it also makes us responsible. The only people on earth that have authority over the devil are you. That is believers. Most believers don't know their authority, and our pe- my people perish, Hosea said, for lack of knowledge. Most people don't know their rights and privileges in Christ, nor the seating they have with Jesus in a place of authority. And so the devil takes advantage of their lack of knowledge and continues to beat their head against the wall. How many hear me? But you know now. So Jesus said, go therefore, make disciples of all nations. When he said that, the authority that he got from from Satan, that Satan got from Adam, that Adam got from God, he he got back and gave it to us. That's the good news. So Jesus went to the cross as the representative man. All of this is in the notes. 1 Corinthians 15 says two things that are very insightful. Verse 45 says that Jesus was the last Adam. Verse 47 of 1 Corinthians 15 says that he was the second Adam. Uh, Second Adam means he's the first human being born since Adam's sin that was born in relationship with God, out from under Satan's jurisdiction, out from under the authority of death. And he was God's man just like Adam was God's man. And Jesus, as God's man, went through every temptation, test, challenge, that you and I face, and he did it successfully. He never yielded to Satan. He never yielded to his flesh, and that made him the ultimate available sacrifice for human sin. Is that good news? Woo! It sure is. So, because uh, he became our sin, he was judged for our sin, raised from the dead when our sin debt was paid, and the cool thing is he dethroned Satan for us. Now, I want you to listen to these scriptures. I have spent uh, a lot of time over the decades of my life, really meditating on these scriptures. Let me just say, I was afraid of the devil when I was a kid. I read all, I watched all the spooky movies and, uh, and read spooky novels, dabbled in witchcraft before I came to Jesus as a teenager because I went to the public library and just, and just all that crazy. So that put a, a real fear in me of the demonic because... You know, um, what, what the world does is exacerbates or stretches out um, uh, Satan's authority and control and makes you feel like you're a peon in his sight. Truth is, he's a peon in your sight if you exercise your rights and privileges in Christ and choose to walk with God and not compromise. All right. So, Luke ten nineteen. Behold, I give you authority to trample. He's talking to the disciples pre-cross. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing, nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. You know what he's saying? You can go into the enemy's territory and just hang your head high (laughs) because you have authority, right? And so this was pre-cross. Jesus actually gave his disciples the unqualified use or maybe it was the qualified use of his name. They could use his name and do things he would do uh, 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 to others on his behalf. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Therefore God's highly exalted him. It's later on down in the notes. I didn't change it. Uh, And gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So all authority is given unto me. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, Luke 10, 19. That word authority in the Greek is the word exousia. It's delegated authority. It's the badge on the police officer's shirt or on his waist that he just wears. Hey, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a police officer. And what does that mean? The authority of the government he represents is backing him, backing his, his or her words, backing their actions. And when we use the name of Jesus, that's what we're saying. All of heaven backs me up. I've got the Lord Jesus Christ who's already been to hell and raised from the dead backing me up. Back up, Cracker Jack, in the name of Jesus. How many hear me? So here's some scriptures that I have uh, meditated, I mean, a lot. I mean, y'all, a lot. And, and I'll tell you what they'll do. They'll give you a boldness in God. And the good news is I've done the homework for you. All you got to do is go to the notes and just look them up and read them and meditate them. Do y'all know how to meditate? That is, you take a scripture and say it over and over in rote, over and over, emphasizing different words as you say it over and over. Read it while you're saying it, and then try to 
Try to say it without reading so you memorize it, but get it inside of you. Speak it out. One of the ways to meditate is to speak. Speaking is meditation. What it does, it takes what's in your head and drops it about a foot and a half according to how big you are. Right to your heart. Boop, right here. And when the word of God gets from your mentality to your spirit to your heart, it changes you. You hear me? So that's why I don't just hear what I say, meditate these things. So the first scripture, now this, when I came across this one, it, it kind of uh, dumbfounded me. Because I, you know, as an 18-year-old, I had the idea that Satan had all this huge, gargantuan authority. And when I found out, he was stripped of it. And that I have to act on that and believe that. Then I had to unbelieve. Now here's the challenge. You've got to unbelieve all the things you currently believe if you're afraid of the demonic. Yes? I guess I can confess this. First time I went to Africa, everybody told me, you know, the boogers are an African. Bad boys are an African. And big devils are an African. Well, you know, my plane landed. I said, well, here's Africa. Look at here. Oh, I have a thought. I've been meditating on these scriptures. When the plane door opened up and I walked out, I said, I like Africa. That's a beautiful place. Look. And then I found out there was witchcraft and there were devils. But you know what? Now you got witchcraft and devils right here in America. And you know what I found out? Every time we preach the word, they hit the dirt. Did you hear me? Every time we called the name Jesus, they bowed. And we have to be, I haven't come in my room, devils come in my room before I preach. Make you feel all kind of weird. But you know what? In the name of Jesus, get out of here. And then you sleep like a baby. So I firsthand recognized that all of my thoughts and ideals about the devil were wrong. So you've got to challenge your own thoughts, right? So whatever thoughts you have, if you have thoughts that he's this big, bag, booger man that's going to get you, he, that's a lie. He's been defeated. And here's how I know. First, Everybody, you with me? 1 Corinthians 2, 6, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. Now, this rulers of this age, it's not just referring to presidents and back in the past kings, or maybe some places still have kings and, you know, different people that are not called presidents, we call a president. It's not talking about that, it's talking about demon spirits, talking about the principalities, the powers the rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual wickedness in high places. How do I know that? Keep reading. So again, let's read verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, not the wisdom of this age nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak, verse 7, and this is not in the notes, so you've got to look it up. We speak wisdom, the wisdom of God and a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. Now he uses that phrase, rulers of this age again. And notice what he says about them this time. For uh, uh, knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now he's not talking about the natural rulers. He's talking about the demon spirits urging the natural rulers to put Jesus to death. You see it? So, so of those demonic principalities, he says, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Ah, there's revelation there. Everybody say, who are coming to nothing. Now I've got all these translations. Listen, Amplified New Testament of that last phrase, who are coming to nothing, who are being brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. So if you've got this little hierarchy in your head that the devil's got a lot of authority, you need to read that over and over again. He is doomed. He's being brought to nothing. He's not getting stronger. He's getting weaker. And doomed to pass away. Weiss translation. Who are in the process of being liquidated. He's not getting stronger. He's getting liquid. What happens when a business liquidates? They get rid of all their stuff, right? And they sell it on the cheap too, 60% off, 80% off. Huh? Young's literal translation of those becoming useless. He's not getting stronger, he's becoming useless. Well, you don't know what kind of hell he's created in my life and my family. I don't care. You know what? I do care, but you know what? You have authority over him. 
And some of us have to get over that. You've had family members affected. You've had children affected. You've had grandchildren affected by the devil. And you say, well, if we have all that authority, then why did that happen to them? Because somebody, whatever, didn't take the authority that was available. That's tough. I got to back up. I feel the resistance. God cannot resist the devil for you. Jesus can't resist the devil for you. Jesus can't do anything about the devil harassing you, your body, your mind, your relationships, your job, your finances, your children, your grandchildren, or anything about you if you do nothing. It's not his responsibility, it's yours. Jesus has given you as a believer authority. This is a quantitative authority. You can measure it. All that Jesus is has been given to us. I'm going to show you. Y'all got a little bit of time for me to keep going? Oh, you want me to quit and do it next week? Huh? You just got to know this. Again, let me say it. Most believers do nothing with the authority they have, and then the enemy just runs over them constantly. Or they have a family member who's affected. They get disappointed because God didn't come through. Through somewhere, authority wasn't exercised. You know, back years ago, this was 1983 um, maybe, uh, I played basketball. I guess weird brain. <laughs> I played basketball with a guy in uh, Memorial Day 1981. And he was on staff at Kenneth Hagin Ministry. And he was kin to a, 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 an evangel, a healing evangelist, lady healing evangelist who also lived in Tulsa. Well, he gradu- had graduated from Rainbow, was on staff at Kenneth Hagin Ministries. And then, and then he went to the New England states, I forgot which one, and started a church. And uh, his, his wife woke up one morning and he was dead. They called Kenneth Hagin and said, well, what do we do? Brother Hagin prayed, and here's what the Lord said to him because everybody was upset well here's this big man of faith power that died and brother Hagen said the Lord said to him authority should have been exercised prior to now so what are you saying Pastor? somebody needed to have exercised authority and somewhere somebody didn't yes or no Wow. He was 25 years old when he died. In fact, they named the apartment complex across this road from Rama. Smith, is it Smith? I think his last name is Smith. Housing. They named it after this young man. So anyway, that was a big shock way back then. And I was in my 20s when that happened. But see, that kind of sobered me up a little bit. Uh, unless you exercise authority, it's not going to happen for you. Huh? Now, I feel the, the Holy Spirit bearing the point in. If you had faith disappointments in your life, you need to get over them. We're not perfect. We're imperfect. Yes or no? Uh, we're in a battle. We're in a war. In a war, do you have casualties? Are there casualties of war? Huh? Yes, there are. We're in a battle. If God's in charge, does it mean that everything's going to be perfectly sliced and packaged? No, no, it means you're in a battle. And you've got to keep your armor on. And you've got to get you, keep your wits about you. And you've got to stay out of the flesh and pray. And you can't be slack. Because there's an enemy. He's looking. He's seeking whom he may devour. Yes or no? So, so, so he's, we have authority over him. But a lot of times we don't exercise it. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm bearing the point. You've got to understand, when I minister, I feel the crowd. And I don't know if you're in here or online. And I, don't, I just know i got to say all this. I'm just telling you. Get over your anger and aggravation at God because he didn't come through for this certain situation in your life and somebody that's associated with you. And that's a lot to say. And you know what? You need to take that. And pray it out before God. Say, Lord, help me. How many hear me? Or it's going to hinder your walk with God from here on out. Well, this is tough, isn't it? You know, listen, I, um, 
all these years I've been in Jesus, do you, I can't tell you how many people I have known, uh, Bible school friends, friends in ministry, friends in the various churches I've been a part of, uh, who, who whatever happened, happened. Died early, died young, died of illness, died of tragedy, died in car accidents. Crazy things happened to them, to children, all kinds of things happened. And so here's what I've had to be willing to do. Can I talk about this? Are we okay? I've had to come to terms with I don't know everything and I'm not God. And number two, it's not my responsibility to know everything. I got to know me and I need to know Jesus and I need to be honest with him and I need to exercise authority. That's my world. Your world is your world. I'm not responsible for your world. You are. Yes or no? And if I don't understand something that happened in your world, I've got to let it go. And the way I deal with it is I take it to the Lord. I don't know how many hundreds of times something's happened to somebody. I said, oh, that's a head scratcher right there, Lord. I don't understand it. And I've gone before God said, now, Lord, I lay that right there at your feet. Doesn't seem like it should have happened that way, but it did. And I don't know anything I'm going to do about it. But I'm not, I refuse to let that affect what the Bible says about me. How many hear what I just said? You've got to deal with life that way. And, and I'm telling you, there are tragedies and there are terrible things that happen to people. And we weep. The Bible says we're supposed to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. And we should. At the same time, don't let those things that happen hinder you in God right now. There's a lot of people give up, something doesn't happen. See, they're idealistic. And you know what? You're really idealistic when you're young. Then when you got a few decades of life on you, the idealism gets left in the wind. <laughs> and you figure out, life just ain't always fair or right. Sometimes it's not conscionable. It's just weird. But God is always good. And He always honors His Word. Yes or no? So listen, if nobody else gets saved, if nobody else gets filled with the Holy Ghost, if nobody else gets healed, if nobody else gets delivered from demon power, I believe this book and I believe that I'll be healed and I believe that I can be delivered and I believe that I can be free. Now, I know that came out kind of strong, but that's my conviction. Now, that may not be your conviction yet, but it can be. Did you hear me? If you'll take what I'm talking about tonight, this stuff will revolutionize you. And, you know, now it's to the point that, you know, I want good things to happen to everybody. But, you know, I know everybody's got personal responsibility. And some people aren't very responsible. Then a lot of people hang their hat on God's shoulder, say, God, I expect you to do everything for me. He said, what will be happening today? Choose you this day whom you'll serve. Life or death. Blessing or cursing. Choose life. Modern culture doesn't like to hear responsibility. But you have responsibility. And once you know, you're even more responsible. Is it true? So let's come back to this again. Jesus has given us authority. And we have to stand our ground and exercise that authority. I'm going to come back to that. Y'all get this? You got enough of it for me to keep moving? So, so listen, so we're at 1 Corinthians 2.6. Um, and, we, and we're reading different translations of the very last phrase, who are coming to nothing, talking about the demonic forces, who are in the process of being liquidated, Weist says. Young's translation of those becoming useless. Moffat's translation, I love, the dethroned powers that rule this world. See, they rule over ignorant people, and they rule over the unsaved masses of humanity who don't even believe they're there, and that's what he wants you to believe. Just keep believing it. Keep thinking that. Keep saying I don't exist. I love that, he says, because we're going we to bash your brains out. Pretty much. No, 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 no. The dethroned powers, uh, they're dethroned for those who are in Christ and understand their authority and act on it. Yes or no? 
this is not easy. Uh, life is not easy. And if you're looking for the easy way, listen, Christianity is not for you. The easy way will lead you straight to the flames. This is a fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Is that right? My, my, my. In Colossians 1.13, the Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. We have been delivered from the authority of darkness. Now, I've said that thousands of times in my life. I've said it out loud to the Lord. Lord, I thank you that I've been delivered from the authority of darkness. When demon spirits come and attack my mind and my emotions and tell me I'm not going to make it, that I'm a louse, that I'm not worthy to preach the gospel, I say, you know what? I've been delivered from your authority. Shut up and get out of here. Jesus made me unrighteous, not me. He did. He loves me, and I don't care what you think about me. You're defeated. Get out of here. You're dethroned. Get out of here, dethroned ones, right? Oh, I pick up some fear. Some people are afraid if you say anything about the devil, he'll hear you. I just picked that up. I won't ask you who that is. Somebody in here is thinking, well, you need to shut up, Pastor Mitch. You'll get attacked. Well, you know what? I know who I am in Jesus. How many times have I been attacked and how many times have I overcome? And I'll overcome the next time and the next time. As long as I walk with God and seek first the kingdom of God and stay full of the word and stay full of the Holy Ghost, right? There's some parameters to all this, yes or no? But you don't have to be afraid of talking about this. Yes or no? Some people will say, don't want to talk about don't want to talk about the devil. He might hear me. Well, he's the very guy you need to hear. He needs to hear what you're saying, and he and his entourage of demon forces that come down the family line of your life, they need to know that you're going to stand your ground and not give in anymore. Yes or no? Don't give up. Don't give in. Now, I want to end with this one, and I, I may do this again next Wednesday. We'll see, because i got a lot to say. Jesus, man. Colossians 2.15. I love this verse. I just love it. Having disarmed. Everybody say disarmed. So you have an intruder coming in your front door. And you've got two big bulldogs. Or no, you've got two Brunos. My Bruno went to be wherever he is last November. But they bite that boy coming in my front door, both legs, and take him down. Guess what they just did? Disarmed him. Right? Now, if you come in the front door of my house uninvited and you go hurt my family, there's other ways you can be disarmed. And you may find out Hello? I'll use the name of Jesus and I'll be kind, but if you ain't listening, I got something else. Read between the lines, my friends. How many hear me? Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now, the Romans, when they captured an army, that's what they did. They stripped them of their clothing, stripped them of their armament, Literally, they're naked, and nobody wants to be naked in public. And they went right down Main Street or whatever, whatever city they conquered, and, uh, and the citizens lined up, and woo-hoo, and they marched them naked through the streets uh, to humiliate them and to let them know that somebody else has their authority, right? And that's what Jesus did to demon spirits. Listen to this. In this way, he disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Amplified, God disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in it, the cross. Message paraphrase, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority on the cross. 
at the cross, and marched them naked through the streets. God's word translation, he stripped the rulers and authorities of their power and made a public spectacle of them as he celebrated his victory in Christ. J.B. Phillips translates, Then having drawn the sting of all the powers and authorities ranged against us, he exposed them shattered, emptied, and defeated in his own triumphant victory. And I want to read this, and I just put this in the notes just before I came out here tonight. It's so good, I want you to have it for you so you can look at it yourself. This is from uh, Word Studies in the Greek New Testament by Kenneth S. Wiest. And it's his um, exposition of Colossians 2.15. And he said, The principalities and authorities here are the same as in Ephesians 6.12. The demons of Satan in the atmosphere of this earth. I love this. Listen to this. Our Lord, after his death on the cross, needed to present himself at the heavenly mercy seat in his bloodless body glorified as great high priest, thus completing the atonement Fulfilling the Old Testament type when the high priest on the day of atonement killed the sacrifice, I mentioned that, at the brazen altar and then carried the blood into the Holy of Holies, sprinkling it on the, the, the top of the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, thus completing in type the atonement for sin. In order to do this, our Lord had to pass through the kingdoms of Satan in the air. The demons offered opposition. He, stripping them off and away from himself, giving the Greek word there, displayed them boldly to make example of, made a show of, leading them in triumph in it. These are the captives taken by our Lord in his ascension as he left the tomb. So here's what Jesus did. And I'll close with it. And we'll come back. Uh, If you've got questions about your authority, bring them next week. Let's talk. I want to get as practical as I can with it. So, Jesus died. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then he died. Physically, Jesus' physical body was grasped by death. He became mortal because he became our sin. Before that, he was immortal. Jesus became our sin. Jesus died physically. When Jesus died physically, he descended. He didn't go to heaven. I know he said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. But paradise was another term for Abraham's bosom. And Abraham's bosom was a term used in Luke 16, 19 through 26 or so for the righteous side of hell where all of the Old Testament saints went pre-cross. They didn't have an actual redemption yet. They had a promissory note that one day the Messiah, the Lamb of God, who in typical fashion was offered, you know, every year for their sins, the Lamb of God one day is coming, but they couldn't get to heaven yet. Don't forget, they had to get to the righteous, they had to stay in the righteous side of hell. There was a big chasm separating the righteous side from the unrighteous side where there is the flame. When Jesus died, he went to the righteous side of hell and nobody really knows what he said. I have a feeling he may have said something like, I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world because that would get everybody's attention. huh? I am him and I've come to set you free. I am he that lives, I was dead. And you know what? After God's satisfied that I've legally paid your sin debt, I've legally done it for eternity, I'm going to come alive down here. And guess what? You're not going to live in Abraham's bosom just a couple of more days here. He was there three days and three nights in hell. He stayed there until God was satisfied our sin debt was paid. And when God was satisfied your sin debt was paid, that means every thought, every word, every action that you've ever committed that you know is wrong, and every foul motive you live by. (laughs) God was satisfied, done deal. They're free. Debt's paid. The Holy Spirit came from heaven down to hell, the righteous side where Jesus was. He was the first person to ever come alive spiritually after being spiritually dead. Yes? He was born again. When that happened, he said, y'all, we can't stay here anymore. God's happy. He's satisfied. 
I've done what I'm supposed to do. Let's go. And he got up and his resurrected into his physical body. And all of those that were there in that righteous side of hell, they came out of that place. And go read Matthew 27, 51. They got in their glorified bodies. Their bodies came back to life just the way Jesus' did. And they appeared to many in Jerusalem. Have you read that before? And then, you know, I don't know when they went on up. At some point they had to. But Jesus went at the ascension. And that was, uh, you know, 50 days after Pentecost, or 40 days after Pentecost, so, right? So on the way up, in fact, when Jesus was resurrected, you remember that Sunday, I'm about done, John 20, and he's resurrected, and, and uh, Mary said, uh, thought he was the gardener, and said, where, tell me where you put his body, because I love Jesus, and I don't want anybody to, you know, violate his body. And then Jesus turned around to Mary, remember? And said, Mary. And she said, Master. Because her eyes were open. And he said, Mary, I want you to go tell my disciples and Peter, I'm here. And she went to embrace him. He said, don't touch me, remember? Don't touch me. He said, for I'm not yet ascended to my father and your father, to my God and you're God. See, Jesus hadn't completed our salvation. Almost, but not quite. He rose from the dead. And there he was in his glorified state, in his glorified body. He had one more thing to do, and nobody could touch him until he did it. So he said, Mary, don't touch me. And then Jesus from there, evidently, that morning, after he saw Mary... Evidently, he went up, and that's when he went through the upper atmosphere of the earth. And that's when he grabbed the principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places, and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. They tried to keep him from going up. He said, what you think you're doing? Out of the way! And stripped them of all of their authority. Went up to heaven. There is, a, there is an ark of the covenant and a, and a cover called the mercy seat in heaven just like there was in the holy of holies in the, in the tabernacle in the temple in, in Israel. You hear me? And he went there and with his own blood he said, I'm the eternal lamb <laughs> and forever the sins of man have been paid. And then that evening... I'm okay. Just stand up and I'll shut up. You stand up, I'll shut up. Stand up. That evening, the doors and windows shut. He appears to his disciples. Thomas touched me. A spirit has not flesh and bone. Breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Ghost. They came spiritually alive that night. Isn't that awesome? Never since that time. And then with the baptism of the Holy Spirit after he ascended, 10 days after he ascended, the baptism of the Holy Ghost came, Acts 10. We have the same spiritual authority that Jesus has. Right? I got so much to say. Y'all come back next week with some questions. Kenneth Hagin had an example that really, as a young man, really grabbed me. He would see in the spirit, he had discerning in spirits. He'd see angels and devils. He would see Jesus. Uh, and he, uh, Jesus had appeared to him at one point in the 1950s. And this is in his book, I Believe in Vision. Uh, copyright 74, 1975. And, and you can find it in digital form and read it tonight if you want to. But anyway, so here's Jesus. And he said, while he was looking at Jesus, said, um, said this little devil came, little, looked like a monkey stood right between him and Jesus. And Jesus was talking to him about ministry. And he had a supernatural vision of Jesus. And he said that little devil, while Jesus is talking, that devil got between him and Jesus and said, And he said, now wait a minute. And he was wondering why he couldn't hear what Jesus was saying because this devil was between him and Jesus. And he got so aggravated thinking that Jesus would deal with that imp, that demon spirit, and he wouldn't. Finally, Brother Hagin got so exasperated during the vision and said, I command you to shut up and get out of here. And that thing ran off. And then he looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, 
Why didn't you do anything about that? Jesus said to him, If you hadn't have done anything about it, I couldn't have. And then, and then Brother Hagin said, Now, wait a minute. I know I didn't hear you right. I've heard him say this in person. I don't have any. He got his finger in his ear and said, Wait just a minute. I didn't hear you right. You didn't say that you couldn't. You said you wouldn't. And Jesus real sweetly said, No. No, if you hadn't had dealt with the devil, I couldn't have. Brother Hagin said, wait a minute. I just know I'm not hearing you right. Shook his ear again. Say, say that again. And Jesus said, if you, if, if, if you hadn't have dealt with the devil, I couldn't have. He did it one more time and finally said, now, Jesus, I can't. In fact, he said, now, now you didn't say that if I hadn't have dealt with the devil, you couldn't. You said you wouldn't. And he said the last time it looked like Jesus' eyes flashed fire. And he said real sternly, I didn't say I wouldn't. I said I couldn't. And then Brother Hagin said, now don't get upset with me. I see you invisible manifestation. But I'm a stickler for God's word. If you've got to give me at least three scripture that say that. If, if, if that's in the New Testament, I never read it. And Jesus said to him, there's a lot of things in the New Testament you've not known. <laughs> I'll do you better, I'll give you four scripture. And he gave him scripture, like what I shared tonight. Now, why did I just share that with you? You're going to leave here tonight, and you're wrestling with your finances, you're wrestling with people, wrestling with yourself, wrestling with thoughts. And some of this is demonic forces trying to mess with your head. And if you don't deal with it, God can't. You hear me? You having a hard time? Uh, Jesus has done everything he can do. He's waiting on you to act. And when you act, you'll get the results. I can't do it for you. Uh, you, know, I, you know, if you come around me, I can get the devil off your back. But you can't, you're not going home with me. Susan's going home with me. You're going to be at your house, sleeping in your bed, or wherever you sleep, right? So eventually, you just need your own authority. You can't ride my coattails to heaven. You need, you need your own. You can't ride my faith. You need your own, right? So everybody raise your hands up, in heaven, up to heaven. Say it out loud. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I am in the Lord Jesus. And tonight, I let go of all of my upsetness, any kind of things I don't understand about what happened, has happened to anybody I know. Any judgments I've had, I lay them at your feet. And I ask you, talk to me about the things in life that I don't understand that has happened to others in the name of Jesus. Father, tonight I take personal, spiritual responsibility. And I thank you that according to the Word of God, I am seated with Jesus in heavenly places, above all the demonic realm, the same authority that Jesus exercises over the demonic as the Son of God, I exercise as a believer in Christ Jesus. Satan, I bind you. Take your hands off me. Take your hands off my mind. Take your hands off my emotions. Take your hands off my body. Take your hands off my spiritual life. Take your hands off my finances. Take your hands off my health. Take your hands off my children. Take your hands off my grandchildren. In the name of Jesus, I bind you. Any demon spirits from my past ancestry. I in the spirit realm right now. I put up a sign. No trespassing. I belong to Jesus. No longer will I be dominated by fear and all that goes with it. I'm free in Christ Jesus. And Lord, beginning tonight, I'm going to give glory to Jesus and exercise my authority every day in Jesus' name.